When did you fly in? Last last night? Um, well, technically, yes. I flew into Vegas last night and then made my way from Vegas into Newark today. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's uh, It was fine. It was fine. Vegas is a sad place. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's fine. I don't mean to cast aspersions. At- I mean, I, were you just in the airport? No, I went into Vegas itself. Like I went to, I went to Johnny Rockets because I was like, I just want some diner food, and I had some diner. Oh, food. you fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I didn't. I, I wasn't going to go into the casinos though. Like I only had like six hours. So this I is went. your first time in Vegas, right? I, I've been there before, but not in like any sort of like party capacity. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, sort of, kind of. I don't know. I've stopped through. This is my first like proper night in Vegas. Like I hadn't had wow. like yeah, yeah. So, yeah, seeing the nightlife um definitely went into a I don't know, I think a Circle K or something like that, one of those little gas stations or whatever. And um a guy started interacting with me, and I thought he was being I thought he was being friendly, and he was being friendly. Uh he just kept asking me where the Camel cigarettes were. And I was like, I don't, mm-hmm. dude, I don't know. I don't, I'm, it's probably behind the counter. I'm, I'm not sure. And he was like an older dude. So I was trying to be respectful because he's an elder. And uh, he like, I go up to the counter to purchase, what did I get? I got like a cliff bar. Uh, Cause I was like, oh, that diner food was awful. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I need something that is going to make me feel like a human. And I went to the counter, went to try to pay. And, uh, the dude like put his hand out to try to stop me from paying and then like grabbed the hand sanitizer and like sprayed a little hand sanitizer in his hands and rubbed them together and then like flinched at me. <laughs> I was like, what's up, man? And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's how we do it. And I was like, I don't know what this is, man. <laughs> and uh, He just walked out after that. And the clerk was like, he's been in here for five minutes doing that same exact thing to everyone. And I thank you. Just that I don't know what you said or did to him, but thank you for making him leave the store. So yeah, that's that your a, that's your ancient uh, bouncer history. It, re- uh, it felt like flowing it, back through you. It really did feel like like it was that. And he was like, it's not like he was a little dude. This dude was much bigger than me. <laughs> um, so I was just. I'm pretty like, sure this is. I'm I'm pretty sure we've brought this up on the show before. I, I always like just mentioning at any opportunity that in our uh you know in our early twenties you had yeah. mastered the art of bouncing <laughs> as yeah. like you know like you had this like monk like ability to like with the minimal exertion of like physical or emotional energy just getting people that are trying to raise hell to immediately like bottle it up and go away. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's a remarkable power <laughs> that you, that you yield. Uh, well, it was, and, it, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had that experience. And, you know, I'm also sorry that you went, I, I mean, Corey, to be honest, going into Vegas, like going anywhere near Vegas and being like, I'm just going to, you know, uh, you know, anywhere near like the strip or whatnot and being like, I'm just going to get a light meal. Yeah. Is, 
it was a mistake. impossible. I think there's a Chipotle somewhere on the yes. strip, and like it's like that, and and I want to say that's pretty much you know that's pretty much it, and everything else is just going to be a a Trash. portal that leads <laughs> yeah. into uh, just a bad experience. Yeah, or well, maybe mean, a amazing experience. I mean, depending yeah. on how your luck goes. I get, well, I was just gonna say my luck was not in full force, uh, other than not getting into a fight with a man who is like, you know, much closer to like our parents' age than our age. <laughs> uh, not getting into a fight with him at like eleven thirty at night feels like a lucky thing for me. So to to contrast what formula one fans can expect later mm-hmm. next season yeah in las yeah. vegas with uh it reminds me loosely of a interaction that i had the first time we went to the canadian grand prix in montreal okay and it was like we checked into the the hotel and like very first order business was i was like all right I'm going to run across the street and grab, you know, a bunch of, bunch of beers, get a whole yeah, bunch of yeah. Molson Canadians. I was just going to say, yeah, you got to get, uh, you gotta get the, <laughs> like the national drink of Canada, yeah, which is Molson yeah, Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm sure nobody there actually drinks it, but, uh, Probably. I, uh, ran across the street to a little, you know, convenient Mart, grabbed a bunch of beer. Um, you know, at this point, uh, was living in, in New York city. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, bringing a little bit of that, just sort of like when you live in New York city, it sort of like shapes you or predisposes you towards certain things. And I'm standing there online (laughs) in this convenient mart and there's a Canadian citizen who's online behind me. And he just like, he just immediately strikes up conversation with me, which already Mm -hmm. just like seeing someone make eye contact and begin to have syllables falling out of their mouth in my direction is like, reason for concern yeah it's and yeah and he and he just goes so uh you like beer eh and i went through a wave of emotions that started with like you know what what are you trying to say to me buddy you know like (laughs) the hell i'm just trying to you know me me and my bestie are here for the weekend just trying to have a good time you got a problem with that you know and and whatnot yeah and uh Luckily, I was also able to, you know, be like, wait, hold on. You, you know, you're coming in from New York. You're in Canada. Mm-hmm. Let's entertain this a little bit. And the guy literally just wanted to have like a, a four minute long conversation on the convenient art line about beer and his favorite kinds of beer. And, you know, just oh my like God. responsibly enjoying different brands of beer and whatnot in the most um, innocent and true manner. And it just like, yeah. And it was that that sort of like, you know, settling in of like, yes, that's right. We're we're under the maple leaf rules here. <laughs> yeah. This is uh this is what we're in for. Uh Corey, what are so what, what are we doing here? What's going on? Uh what's so, uh Yeah, I feel I feel like one of the reasons I went into Vegas was because there is going to be a Formula One race there. And the reason we're talking like this is because we're doing a podcast, John. We're doing our, our Formula One podcast. So let's get let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. Hell let's yeah. do it. Let's do this. Let's All right, it. let's do some pod racing. <laughs> pod racing. Here we go.
Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is our Formula One slash pod racing podcast uh, where we discuss the fandom and just the sport and the drama and dynamics as a couple of United States citizens should, uh, which is with um, genuine reverence, real reverence for what goes on in this world, because no matter how much we're involved with this, Johnny, I feel like we're still outsiders for some reason, uh, just as like, uh, like Americans, st- not us. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're, yeah, we're at, at best will ever only be, you know, new, new money mm-hmm. in, in an old money world, uh, in this, yeah. you know, predominantly European sport that recently has been blossoming its, uh, fandom into the United States, which is very exciting for us. And I think, a wonderful reason for us to have a little podcast to, little to talk podcast. about this and, and hopefully get some, uh, you know, some American fans who are maybe a little casual, maybe still mm-hmm. coming in hot from watching the the Netflix documentary and whatnot. Get them yeah. eased into some of the finer nuances of our favorite sport. Uh, so we should, we're, we should, we're, hey, we gotta, we gotta tell the folks who we are though, Johnny. I mean, oh, we, Jesus we, Christ. We, God damn it. We're I, so casual. I'll learn how to do this one uh, day. It's okay. You know what? We're we're still figuring it out. We're forty five episodes in, and we're yeah. figuring it out. Uh, it's so, only going to take about two hundred fifty more before <laughs> this thing is on the rails. Yeah, yeah, and it's locked in. Uh, so I am Corey Willis. I am an improviser, writer, comedian, stationed normally in Los Angeles, but right now coming from the little hamlet of New Paltz in upstate New York, hanging with Ooh. the fans. Love me some new parts. What's up? This is John Lapore. I'm a creative consultant designing the future for film technology and automotive. And yeah, it's uh, here we are. uh, F1 Files off season. Mm -hmm. Uh, As the off season would set us up for, would seem like there's not a lot going on, but I think there's still some little little bits, little little crumbs, little things. There was something I sent to you the other day. Yeah. Let's get I'm into excited it. about because it's just it's just to me it's just sort of like open speculation season sort yeah. of stuff which to me is always always fun. Was there always anything the else that was on your your radar that you wanted to touch on this week? So there was a little bit of there there was some finalizing that happened with the ride height uh or not finalizing but some open discussion by uh, F1 and the FIA about what they're going to do with the ride heights. Last year, they were saying they were only going to, or they were going to raise it 25 millimeters. But this, uh, this current discussion is saying that they're going to raise it between 10 and 15 millimeters. And this is something that Red Bull has kind of showed up uh, and commented on and been like, yeah, go ahead. Raise the right head of the car. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because uh, Red Bull runs their car a little bit higher. And even though we've got mm. these uh, these Venturi tunnels, even though we've got this ground effect that's happening, they still kind of have their like Adrian Newey trademark wedge. Like they've got that mm. like, aggressive stance. So raising the ride height of those cars is not really going to affect their performance everyone else is expecting to lose like between maybe half a second or like three quarters of a second because of the raise in ride height and red bull's like yeah that sounds like it's going to be a problem for some people uh because they're they're just they're going to be fine um Mm -hmm. and 
there's something that kind of went and like this was a story that I I was I was watching uh, just kind of unfold on Twitter and just some of the interview that Adrian Newey had. Uh, there was I think it may have been on Beyond the Grid or or some other outlet that's kind of like a tertiary F1 uh, like podcast that does little featurettes. But he was saying that if Red Bull plays their cards right, the penalty that they incurred for violating the cost cap really will not affect. They should not be affected by it whatsoever. And mm-hmm. to hear Nui openly say that means that not only is it not going to affect them, but they are probably, as we've been fearing, John, as we've been talking about, and kind of doom, uh, <laughs> dooming and glooming about is mm-hmm. Red Bull does not look to be slowing down. They look like they are going to be probably right there with the field again this season, if not. Uh, so there's also been an update. Uh, I don't know the exact dimensions or, or the specs that came out, but the diffusers uh, are now going to be uh, there. There's some alterations that are happening to it. And I think this has something to do with the way that the the tire spray is happening, uh, the, the, the effect that the tire spray is having, rather. Uh, so in these mm. races where they're wet weather races, those diffusers just shoot these <laughs> these jets of water, these fountains of water, right up into the air, and they, they just fall onto another car, which then in turn shoots them right back up, and then it falls on the next car, and then that happens. And especially if the race is already going and the rain starts, you've got cars all over track. So you're never going to have this moment where the, the mist kind of leaves the track and doesn't get caught back right. in people's slipstreams and, and kind of thrown back in other people's ways. So I think that's what's going on with the diffuser, but also Red Bull is so powerful with the way that they manufacture their floors and engineer their floors and install and implement their floors that it's, yeah, um, I, I, I'm, it's, it, breaks my heart to say this but i'm like oh no i think red bull is just going to come back maybe even stronger next year and that's not great because they were so dominant this year and that's what we've been mm-hmm. about. uh did you do you hear anything about this at all or 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 pick up any any snippets no uh, uh to be perfectly honest the soaking wet diffusers uh didn't show up on my on my radar um yeah and it's it's uh it's fascinating hearing about this i mean to me when i uh, anything around ride height yeah uh to me i assume is all also geared towards minimizing any further challenges challenges with the porpoising exactly um yeah which yeah. helps to to level the field but yeah still still frustrating to hear that any any other i mean basically i'm just looking for any change anything that happens in any way shape or form to somehow present some sort of disadvantage to for Red Bull, Red Bull, and not even necessarily advantage Mercedes, which you know we're we're not at all hiding who we are fans of. So, I mean, that's the other thing too is this ride height increase is a problem for the Mercedes. <laughs> it, it will well doesn't doesn't the ride height increase so at least help with the porpoising or you know it, minimize it the cars does smashing against the it absolutely racing does. surface. Jesus Christ. At the at the uh, unfortunately the sacrifice is, I think that they are estimating that 
overall, the cars will probably lose. Every car on the grid, uh, aside from Red Bull, of course, will probably lose half a second next year. So these cars are going to start out slower than they were this year. And that always changes. They'll, they'll always be able to engineer that, uh, engineer that deficit out, probably by like mm-hmm. the mid-season. But if Red Bull is already ahead of the pack, they'll continue to develop their car as well. Uh, and again, this cost cap right. violation probably won't affect them if they play their cards right, as Nui said. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Red Bull may be gaining like three tenths of a second, and the rest of the field might be losing five tenths of a second. So it's Red Bull literally might be almost a second faster than the field <laughs> just to start next season. That's like it's that's speculation, of course, and there's no proof. But yep, Nui doesn't really. He doesn't say stuff unless he means it. So mm-hmm. worried, worried about that. Worried about that. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, yeah. We don't have to. Let's not spend too much time dooming and glooming about Red Bull's engineering feats. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you? <laughs> did you catch any of that? Um, that that interview where it was. Uh, Max and Yoss and I think a couple of people from BBC Four or Channel Four. Did you see? No. Any what was what was that all about? So this is the other thing too is that basically, first of all, someone else pointed this out, but the fact that Yoss ends up in so many interviews alongside Max Verstappen is just there's no reason for Yoss to be in there at this point. He just doesn't need to be a mouthpiece, and it kind of brought up like a really cringy moment uh where basically like max was like oh yeah i don't use like i don't use pads on my uh on my head um like they were talking about the strain on your neck and he's like Mm -hmm. oh yeah some tracks that are like anti-clockwise you're used to your neck going one way so they put out pads you know they they give the drivers options for pads and apparently when max was in the feeder series Yoss called those things pads and mm. like fully just said that in the interview, just said those exact words. Mm. And I, and one of the presenters was a woman and like, they all just kind of like laughed it off. And it was just like, God damn it, guy. What? This is, this is the problem with F1 is that it feels like even something like that, that seems kind of like, Oh, what's the big deal? It's just them. It's just boys being boys. But if a mm-hmm. woman is trying to make her way through as a driver, or if a woman is making her way through any of the teams, or a non-binary person, or a trans person, anyone who does not have uh, a swing and twig and berries between their legs from birth, anyone who shows up in that world is going to feel like they don't belong if like the casual uh, conversations include language like that. Like It's just not it's it's bad it's bad and it makes makes me be like Oof. yeah i'm not proud of f1 because they still let this stuff go they do it's it's yeah i mean you know not to be an apologist by any means mm-hmm. but i'm glad we've at least seen progress in the sport you know whereas like yes. in a a surprisingly short period of time ago uh, and I think motorsports in the in the realm of sports in general, for mm-hmm. some reason, motorsports has always had 
like a extra serving and a half of like toxic masculinity yeah. in the mix. And, you know, uh, not, not very long ago at all, we had uh, grid girls, you know, yep. uh, before every race, you know, strutting around and holding umbrellas for the, for the drivers and whatnot. And just, you know, a lot of other aspects along those lines, I think have just been a part of like every different form of yeah. motorsport for, for some reason. It's just, and it, like, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out like why there's so many weird, uh, you know, ego driven toxic masculinity things that tie into motorsports and even just like car culture in general. Like it's a weird thing. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm a car guy and yeah. I like being in a space where there's, you know, other people that I don't know and trying to sniff out like, Oh, is anybody else here speak car and yeah. whatnot? Yeah. And so I get excited when I find that. And it's a really bizarre thing that I will, when you find someone that is a like casual car person or casual motorsports fan, there's this weird like ego driven tied, you know, connection into it where people will like, they'll say the most absurd and like completely fictional things just yeah. to try and like, you know, I guess roll with what they expect the car culture to be think, expecting out of the conversation whatnot and like someone will be like well my camry was a v6 camry and if you don't know that is capable of going 215 miles per hour it says so on the speedometer and whatnot and like you know yeah. just things like that and you're just like oh, no well eh, not <laughs> not not it doesn't <laughs> I've I have run away from the cops multiple times at speed. <laughs> oh, no, you haven't. Why are you? Nope. Why would you? Why say are you lying? Things. Yeah. I just don't like, and it's I don't I don't know why. And even just I mean that's just lying and just like doing yeah. this weird stretching of the truth to fit in. And I don't I don't know if I even have the exact uh, red string on the cork board to make all the connections, but it's definitely got some weird tie to some like masculine insecurity around yeah. like, Oh, this is a, this is a space that I should know things about. So let me just start blurting things out that don't make sense. Yeah. And you know, and then, it, and that's why like cars are also always like an easy segue into like, do you also like, boobies yeah and, or yeah, like how and, big is your junk like clearly you're trying to compensate for something <laughs> and that look i'm not here to be like i've got the biggest package ever but i'm i'm also that's not i just don't understand i mean i do understand Corey, why it's a different podcast yeah it's that's a different, a different podcast. podcast yeah yeah that's 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 our that's our patreon uh that's behind the paywall but that's the yeah, F1 it, files on OnlyFans? Yeah, yeah. But they, I think it's just this like idea of you have to be the biggest swinging dick in the room in order to be respected. And that's just not, especially if you look at like people, I mean, people like Max Verstappen or people like Lewis Hamilton who know that they do their talking on track, right? And like mm -hmm. there are, and if you look at both of them, they absolutely both do their talking on track they use different words and different vocabulary and definitely are different people on track, but you can tell who they are. 
when they're on track. So much so mm-hmm. that when they're challenged off track, they rarely feel the need to be like, I'm sorry, what <laughs> you feel like you belong in my league? Like none of none of the top drivers do that. Even Alonzo, who is very quick to dismiss other people who have the credits, who have all of this like substantive like <laughs> trophies and accolades, like he'll still dismiss them, but he doesn't make it out like he's challenging their masculinity or that he's playing up their femininity. Hmm. Uh, and that always seems like the like the elephant in the room when like when I talk to you about cars, we rarely talk about this except for like, what the hell is wrong with people? But like whenever I'm in a conversation with someone who is not you <laughs> and cars come up, if they're not being like, oh my God, wow, you seem like you're really into F1 or like, oh, you seem like you know stuff about cars. It's usually someone just spinning a yarn about the fastest they've ever driven or like what's the most expensive car they've ever been in or whatever. Uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me yeah. and never has really. Um, I'm sorry for sending us down this, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, this, this deep introspective route around, uh, you know, uh, m- m- toxic masculinity well, like, and automotive culture but it's I feel like uh, we it's haven't worth... like we haven't talked really about it at all in all the episodes that we've done like so pointedly like this that it is yeah it just it makes people who would normally be attracted to the sport have this like arm's length uh uh relationship with it and yep also if you like look on tiktok and look at some of the the women and non-binary people who are like big fans of F1 these are the complaints that they have they're like yeah hey i just want to talk about the sport i don't want to get ogled i don't want to get sexualized in any way can mm-hmm. we just talk about like the cars and even if they're talking about the romantic life of the drivers uh it always tends to go into like oh so is that why he's your favorite driver meanwhile the two of us are like we'll talk about the romantic lives of drivers all day long and no one's like oh so you got a crush on them it's like, no, mm-hmm. because they're interesting people. They're athletes. They're people that we revere, right? Um, Notable figures. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it matters when Charles and Charlotte break up. Like, there's something about that um, that that is, like, interesting to everyone. And not just because I'm like, oh, so, like, Charlotte's single now? <laughs> like, that's, and that was a lot of the tone of the stuff that I saw uh, when that happened, uh, which was upsetting. Uh, oh, one more thing from that conversation, though, before we lose that thread. Max also brought up the relationship between the senior driver and junior driver, the number one and number two at a team. And he talked about how Valtteri oh Altas would not have stuck around for as long as he did and would not have had as much success as he did if he dug his heels in and was like, I am going to be world champion. I have the car. I have the talent. I have the the knowledge um uh, the skill set or whatever the the motivation to be a world champion and there is some truth to that there's absolutely some truth to that in recognizing that if you are the number two driver that you should recognize that you are the number two driver uh however however <sighs> he used the term fairy tale to describe someone who doesn't acknowledge and act as if they are the second driver when you are not the first driver right, you're right, not right. the number one driver like he was like i don't know it's just like you got to stop living in, in a fairy tale and like he wasn't saying anything specific about 
Sergio. But how can you uh, not? Also, like, look at, like, what? Kivian. Look at uh, Ricardo. Look at uh, Pierre Gasly. Look at Alex Albon. It's like, dude, yeah. you, you're, I mean, sorry, buddy, but you create a toxic environment within your team. And, like, even, you make people unwilling to be the second driver in on the team. Like, you make them feel it. And that's, I don't think that, like, Lewis ever really made Valtteri feel that way. I think he did that with Nico a little bit, but like, I think listen, you know, I mean, I think I, I don't think there's any degree to which anyone has to, I, I would be not surprised in the slightest if Mm. every single number two driver on the grid was living in that fairy tale mindset, because you know, you, you never, you never know when, uh, you know, You'll have that uh, Nico Rosberg Cinderella yeah. moment yeah. of your your teammate getting plagued, and then all of a sudden you're world champion, and you can you know yeah, and that's, retire retire like a little ninny and disappear from the yeah, sport we got, altogether. Yeah, let's just and, real uh, quick because I don't think we we haven't like addressed this or talked about this at all. Um, I don't even think we've like actually talked about it just between the two of us. But the idea that everyone is like. Uh oh wow you beat a world champion in the same machinery and they always show pictures of Nico and Lewis they always show pictures right. always show pictures look back at that season look back at how many retirements Lewis had not of his own fault in the early part of that season like he literally had reliability issues and the car kept failing and he kept having DNFs and that's the only reason that Nico was able to beat him in similar mm-hmm. equipment so like i just I just wanted to say that because I see I see that so often where people are like, oh, similar equipment. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was of the mind that it doesn't even need to be spoken, that everyone's aware that the Nico championship was was a I don't think I don't think that pe- I, I think that people I, I assumed they, everyone except for Nico knows yeah. that it was a fluke. I mean, and that's OK. That. And that's all right. That's all right. Yes. You know, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, you know, let you know. Yeah. Does it bring does it bring the rest of us more peace to have that much inner peace ripped away from Nico? <laughs> Just let him have it. Let, let him enjoy it. it. Speaking let him, of letting you know. letting Nico have it and letting him enjoy, as of the 2023 season, there are no longer vaccine mandates in effect, and now you will absolutely see Nico Rosberg back in the paddock. Uh uh, I think I think that's you think happen. he'll be back in the mix with uh with Sky Sports and yeah. uh and whatnot. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think he'll still uh. do his like dumb living room commentary, like Skype in uh to comment. I, live. I so much prefer <laughs> uh him just yeah, just not being in the in the mix. You know, yeah, in the just sport at all. Remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we got we've got Jensen Button uh, all in the mix. He's uh, he's been wonderful. A real um, world champion. Sorry, Nico. Yeah, uh, Jensen is like a true world champion. He absolutely did not just benefit from his teammate having a bunch of DNFs. Um, I mean, yeah, his teammates did have a couple DNFs, but it wasn't as uh, egregious as when Nico beat Lewis. Oh God! What a what a tricky what. Uh, I remember going to that goddamn race in Abu Dhabi and watching him win that world championship. It was I. It was the most bittersweet experience watching mm-hmm. him win and do donuts at that place, and me being like, "Oh, I love 
oh, this is so cool. I'm so happy I'm here. But I am so mad at the result of this race. Mm. <laughs> but, you know. All right. Let's get into the most important thing as fans here in the United States of America. Let's hear about this Andretti update. What what did I I didn't go into as much detail as you on this, Johnny. So what did what did you see? What stuck, okay. what stuck out? So this is this is far from concrete data about Andretti in Formula One, mm-hmm. but is certainly tremendous fodder for speculation. So uh as reported by uh the Indy Star a Indianapolis newspaper reporting on a uh, big groundbreaking celebration being held Mm -hmm. as construction begins for a new Andretti Global Motorsports facility uh, headquarters being built on uh, it's like a, you know, a hundred acres of land off the corner of an airport somewhere in indianapolis uh airport is the best place to set this sort of stuff up because you always skirt sound regulations and yeah that makes sense but also being in indianapolis like i figured that they would probably try to be closer to the speedway i don't know exactly yeah i don't know exactly how far it is but it is i mean it's it's in indianapolis presumably Uh, because of its connection to he's not a huge uh, city (laughs) it's not like the biggest yeah yeah so it's probably relatively close and so you know uh the andretti family have been deep into indie racing Mm -hmm. uh for quite some time now and so no reason to read anything about this being you know linked to formula one especially with it being in indianapolis right 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 but the the highest end indie facility that is in the mix right now mm-hmm. is usually about a 50,000 square foot facility that has that's like a 20 million dollar operation okay this is a 500 or 600,000 square foot facility that is a $200 million project. So this is 10 times the scale of basically what you would see from the McLaren Indie team, from the Ray Hall yeah. Letterman uh, Indie team is absolutely enormous and is Jesus. been openly described as a place for the Andretti uh, team to basically house all of their racing teams under one under one okay 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 so would this so the idea here with andretti motorsport one of the biggest problems with them being a part of f1 is that f1 says they don't want just another team like haas another team that shows up and is basically using like dallara parts and using ferrari motors and has very little to do with like the actual like Haas motorsport. Uh, that was like the concern was that Andretti was going to come in and just be another. Oh, we're just going to Frankenstein together an F1 car. Uh, so is this? Does this mean that they are going to potentially have their own like full 
facilities, like wind tunnel, everything would be housed at this location. There, uh, there wasn't specific mention of a wind tunnel, which is a okay. That's a big point yeah. because that is just a wind tunnel alone is a extraordinarily expensive um, endeavor to to house. So uh, yeah. pr- may- maybe they would have a wind tunnel. Perhaps I think the biggest takeaway here's the deal: mm-hmm. the teams, the Formula One is not just concerned about them coming in and being a borrowed technology um, team. Right. The, what I understand to be the biggest concern is just that the other teams are literally just getting together and just saying like, well, that means there will be, you know, uh, 10% less of the financial prize money right to circulate around like it's just gonna it's gonna potentially dilute some of the money that the rest of us receive which is valid what is valid yeah that's 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 valid and what has been expected is that the proper way that you get into formula one is you basically throw a ton of money into the pot like we're talking like a hundred million dollars at the whatnot. at the minimum. Yeah, yeah. And so I think the biggest takeaway is that with a two hundred million dollar facility, mm-hmm. it shows that the Andretti Global Organization has some very serious money, yeah, being pumped into it. Well, that has. Like they're, it's like the Guggenheim group or something like that are backing them. That's one of the, uh, I think it's like kind of like a consortium, like where it's like, oh, uh, okay. Uh, that's what the, if I understand correctly, that Guggenheim group, it's a consortium of like several super high profile investors, not unlike the way that uh, Lewis Hamilton is a partial owner of the denver broncos or he is a he has a stake in a consortium that is a partial owner of the broncos or something to that effect that's what's going on with uh and basically it just means andretti is showing up with cash yeah like they've got people funding them and that kind of funding and especially the like explosive amount of funding going into this facility Mm-hmm. implies that it would be for more than their current endeavors like yeah a lot more like 10x yeah. more and that the money probably doesn't stop at this facility it could include uh the enormous amount of money that it would take to pr- to basically elbow your way into formula one and make it regardless, worth regardless regardless of what everybody yeah. Things you know, because that's the. I mean, and this is the other thing. Sorry, we didn't we didn't touch on this, but it does appear as though Andretti's interest in Formula One is a thousand percent. We want to be a grassroots upstart team of our own. We do not want to buy an existing team. Which I okay. I still I, I still feel like I mean like hey, if you could just you know buy alphatari and you could throw out whatever you want but whatever at least literally have enough yeah. throw the baby the, out with the bathwater. you own the team now you can do what you want you yeah. know yeah at least at least have some head starts because i do think it's you know yeah it, it to me is you know but uh to, so it the, to in their defense 
Andretti Motorsport did kind of bootstrap their way into Indy uh, and kind of not not the same exact thing, but kind of built themselves up to a point of where they were race winning. So uh, I don't think it's beyond their capabilities. And I don't think that this is something. Yes, IndyCar is vastly different than Formula One. IndyCar is vastly different from even like the F2 or Formula Renault or feeder series or anything. But I do think that having the level of sophistication that they have coming up in like a vicious capitalistic market like IndyCar here is. I mean, IndyCar in the U.S., look at those cars. They are completely covered with sponsors. (laughs) Um, Every team, like the McLaren Aero team, it's Aero McLaren. Like it's not even (laughs) like McLaren first. So like there's a lot of sponsorship that comes in to the 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 world of IndyCar and I think that they'd be probably pretty capable of addressing that like weird like corporate carving up that happens when people are like oh yeah I'll back your team but our logo has to be this big you have to do these promo events you have to like if you drive a road car you have to be in this right even if it's mm-hmm. not their own car it's something that they're affiliated with so I, I don't I don't think Andretti's incapable of showing up and performing. But you're right. They'd be way better off just buying Alpha Tauri. And then I mean look that's what that's what Audi's doing with yeah. with Sauber, right? So like yep. if yep, Audi yep. is willing to do that and Audi is Audi, I mean they are part of the Volkswagen group. They're the biggest they are they run automobile sales on this planet. If they're like, "Hey, we couldn't find a way in, so we're just going to take over another team." It is very bold of Andretti Motorsports to be like, yeah, we could do that better than Audi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah we'll see. So there's a couple other little nuances here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the facility, they've showed off architectural renders of it. Oh. I and it is, uh, it is a, it's an expansive warehouse like facility but still is dressed up on the facade with curving swooping forms and an enormous reflecting pool and it basically looks like a direct uh ripoff of the mclaren it's technology McLaren. yeah you're just describing yeah you're it's like the, yeah it's, a giant swooping building i was like oh that sounds like the mclaren a reflecting pool uh what what are you doing i mean sure i'll take it uh, um, I mean that McLaren facility is a pretty sweet. It's, it's uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did Did you know that they've now been regularly uh, using and I guess renting out wings of the McLaren Technology Center for them to film movies in and whatnot? Uh, no there's, yeah. Uh, there's a scene in Andor uh, that is meant to be. I don't know, one of the in the in the futuristic city and there's a bunch of people bustling around walking and it's basically just the lobby of the uh oh, of God. the MTC. Yeah. Uh I gotta go back and watch that. I'm a big big old Andor fan here. And and one of the Fast and Furious movies, the like, you know, there's some like evil technology conglomerate and sure. uh <laughs> and they're doing stuff in the in the in the McLaren Tech Center. Any, uh anything, so yeah, so, possible with <laughs> The Fast and yes. Furious franchise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd believe anything. Oh, God. Uh, so other other little tidbits that sprinkled out of this. Um, mm-hmm. Andretti, particularly Mario Andretti, has mentioned that he is 
going to be going on the war path to start uh, recollecting uh, as many of his classic cars as he can as his personal race cars because he wants them to be all on display that's cool within the facility um again you know another note taken from the mclaren technology center where they're you know they have like they literally have a museum a a, a (laughs) lobby that is basically a museum of you know the greatest (laughs) formula one cars ever ever made yeah yeah like ayrton's car is like in there yeah it's wild oh yeah um wild yeah i mean that's that's cool i mean that's that's very cool and if you're going to borrow from someone's culture then the mclaren culture is the thing to borrow from uh, I think you could do worse yeah yeah you could definitely yeah. do worse uh i mean whew, don't borrow from ferrari so we <laughs> uh um I, I, mario specifically called out during the groundbreaking ceremony jokingly but oh. he specifically like blurted out at one point, like it's going to be bigger than Ferrari's factory. Oh no, no easy Mario. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> easy. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes of that. And I hope that they can show up and be competitive if they do end up making their way in. Uh, I know that this group said they're going to pay the entry fees and everything. So they're, if they get the blessing, they will be in formula one. They have the money. And that's usually how this works is if someone throws enough money at the FIA or at Formula One, they just go, "Eh, okay, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's do it. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, the murmurs are saying that they're, you know, they've got a rocket up their ass to try and get in for 2024. I don't see that happening. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, I I would I would imagine it would make the most sense to join in 2026. Yeah. Why would you come in? Maybe maybe you get maybe you get in 2025. You kind of buy someone's previous year car and you just go in just to like, yeah, you know, figure out how complicated it is to like, you know, ship a motorsports festival around the globe every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you could know. do some like logistics, uh, strength and weakness testing there um, for sure. So anything else from the the Andretti deal? Because we have not discussed like the news that popped off this week as far as silly season with the team principals here. We, we got it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we, lay we lay it all move. out. Lay it all out, please. So now that we do have... You, do and, you have the red yarn? And, uh, uh, yes. So I do... Do you I have do the have, flow chart? I do. I, I've got like a loose sketch of the uh, the chart, uh, and it's it's very cheap red yarn. It's not like the, the, the finalized red yarn. But we have Andreas Seidel, leaving he is gone from mclaren he is going over Mm -hmm. to sauber and he's going over there to be the ceo of audi sauber so that is like the idea is he's not going to be the team principal anymore he's going to step into the ceo role kind of run things staff everything up get them integrated as audi sauber and then so this is now i'm gonna i'll pull out the chart and the the yarn and the idea here is there is a rumor that Andreas Seidel is looking to fill out everything, and then he is going to hire his replacement as CEO and take over the role of team principal. So that is a potential Hmm. that's like a rumor that's out there, which I think is that would be brilliant. That would be so smart for Audi to do that, to have someone who has that much experience with F1, especially from the business side of it, to build out your business, kind of restructure 
because Sauber was, I mean, they were in the rears financially for a while. So yep. they now have someone who knows how to run an F1 team, a modern F1 team, not just Sauber's old and they've been in the game for a while. And I'm glad that they're still around, but they were kind of still running like the back, like back in the day when like Mercedes was like a co-sponsor with them when it was like Mercedes Sauber. Uh, so they're still running on like, from what I understand, uh, a pretty antiquated style of doing business within Formula One. So yep. it does seem as though with Andreas coming over there, building the whole thing out and then stepping into the team principal role, that's going to be that's that is a way for Audi to be competitive in five years from now. That is absolutely and not just competitive in like race winning, but like at the pointy end of the grid, like they are they're going to have a machine in place. They're going to continue to hire people away from Red Bull. They're going to hire people away from Mercedes. They're going to pull people away from Ferrari. They're going to do everything that they can to build up their group so that when they come in as the rebadged Audi, not just like the Sauber yeah. Audi, in 2026, I think they're going to show up in a way that is going to seriously disrupt <laughs> the top runners. And I think that's great. I think it's great. I'm psyched to see that. And also, I love that they just hired from within at McLaren. Like this shows yep. how good Andreas Seidel is. That he stepped out of McLaren and uh, Andre Stella, who was like a brilliant, brilliant technical mind, just like one of the smartest people in the sport, who was just doing everything that he could to keep McLaren at the level that they were prior to these past couple of years. Stella is a big reason why McLaren was becoming competitive and why they were able to sign Danny Rick. I think McLaren is going to look really, really good in the next couple of years if they can get rid of the gremlins that have been bothering them this past year. So we'll see. And then so we have- it's a particularly good point that you make, though, also about, you know, the on your way out, if you if you have someone else in your orbit mm-hmm. who can jump in and take your place, it's actually a, a ridiculously good it's display so good. of your leadership and yeah. what, the mark that you've made that and that others around you can can swoop right in. Well, there was another thing which was like I hadn't even like I've seen Andre Stella before. Like I've seen his face. I've seen him on the pit wall. I have never seen him like like and he's even like spoken. He's been in interviews. I think he was doing some of like the like the Saturday stuff where they were showing off the features and they were talking to people. I think he was one of the McLaren people who was involved with that, considering he was involved with the technical aspect of it. But he like I didn't even think of him when they were like, Oh yeah, Andre Seidel is leaving. Yeah. And I was like, who are they gonna get to replace him? And then they were like, Oh, Andre Stella, he's their technical director. He's been crushing it this whole time. And it was like, Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. He is. He's great. He is great. So it's not just that they hired from within, but they hired from within and it was such an obvious choice for the people there that it like every, everyone on the outside was like, uh, oh yeah, I guess that does make sense. So that that does speak volumes to a leadership role. Oof. And he's gonna be running Audi. That's the kind of person you want to be running <laughs> your team as you enter the sport of Formula One is someone who's like, oh, I'm actually brilliant. I can like talk to people. I'm good at managing a whole team and I 
cultivate people who can take over my role. And I don't feel threatened by that. Like that's, I mean, McLaren's in good shape. Audi's in good shape. Ferrari, don't know what's going to happen with Ferrari. What are your thoughts now that we've got Vassour in there? I want to I wanna remain as Ferrari optimistic as I can. Yeah. Uh, you know, a few episodes back, I described like the notion of like, whereas in almost any other environment, like the changing of the guard would result in like a little bit of like a chaotic response. I really think there's going to be like an entire factory of people that are just like yes sir thank you sir new master you know let us yeah. let us know what you need we are yeah. here like you know yeah that's true it's uh it's just you know it, it really i i just it seems like they've got so many different pieces that are going right that, and yeah. for all those different right pieces not to be able to mix together and lead to success uh, to me, it's it is a it's a management issue above all else. So, well, that's yeah, that's that's it though. Is that they've given Fred Vassor the title of team principal? Yep, but that is just a title. So that ti- like it's it's a it's just a title. It doesn't mean anything really. Uh, but they did give him now that like because I guess Bonato was like. Also, he was team principal, but also technical director uh, of Ferrari. And now that he's gone, they don't have a technical director. And Vassour is not a technical. That's not his job. He's really good at building teams. Uh, and if you look back at like his feeder, like his work in the junior series, like this dude is the real deal. He brought two teams yeah. from nothing to championship teams in F2. So like big, big deal. His other title is team manager. So. I don't know what that looks like with the Ferrari board. I don't know if they're just going, okay, you handle everything and you become the buffer, but also you're the team principal. So like there needs yeah. to be a buffer between him and the board, but I don't, there isn't one. And I, that, I think that's going to be a problem. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess there's always a chance that whatever that title is, the real title is just the whipping boy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see who they get as a technical director at Ferrari though. I mean, like you said they got it all mapped out pretty much except they keep messing up in the discipline area and if they get a good technical director in there and they got Vassour really showing up to crack the whip then maybe ferrari is maybe ferrari's on track maybe they're on track to to challenge red bull and mercedes again this year who knows i mean we we don't know that's the problem is we don't know uh ooh any news on the Williams team principal? Have you heard anything about that at all? I haven't. Is there been any speculation yet? There is nothing. I mean, th- I'm this still is... holding out hope that Ross Braun's just going to show up somewhere. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, wave a magic wand, and it'll be you know Braun GP all over again. I mean, maybe that's why they haven't announced the technical director for Ferrari is because Vasor is like, hey. Hey, um, remember the last time you were involved with uh, Ferrari and you had a French person running the team? Do you remember what happened last time? So maybe he's trying to like sweeten things up with Ross and he'll show up to Ferrari as their technical director. Maybe. I mean, you couldn't get a better technical director than Ross Braun, I don't think. Uh, you got a team manager in Fred Vassour. Like, that is a recipe right there, Johnny, for Ferrari's success. I like it. 
I think it's I think it's almost certainly going to go that way for sure. Oh God, I I full would... certainty. I don't see yeah. any reason why it wouldn't make perfect sense. <laughs> oh well, I guess one big reason, which is uh, the name of the company, which is Scuderia Ferrari, <laughs> aka Scuderia Pagliacci. So they'll find a way to screw this up. I'm sure. Yeah, but if they don't, it'll be such a pleasant surprise. Truly. Uh, anything else? really happening this week i mean we've covered quite a bit here uh and again it's the off season and i feel like we're like oh my god we're we're gonna make these episodes shorter because we're not gonna have that much to talk about because it's the off season that's not happening next next one we'll do it we'll do a short one next one yeah we'll do a short one next time when we try to record on christmas i mean we'll see we'll see yeah right christmas is sunday yeah all right well uh yeah, this feels this feels like a pretty reasonable place to to trim this one. Uh, did you have anything else that you picked up on this week in F one, Johnny? No, I mean, you know the 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 biggest shock to my system was was the Andretti story and just yeah. seeing that trickle in uh, a, a little bit under the radar. I think was what gave me a bit of a thrill as well. Was that it's just more like, hey, there's no, there's, it's all just implied here. Yeah. with where they're going and what their what their intentions are so uh yeah. hope to see more on that soon yeah yeah me too i mean that would be really really cool it would be so fun as like as someone who's a citizen of this country walking on the las vegas strip and being like there's going to be a formula one race like there are going to be cars mm-hmm. ripping across the section of road i'm walking on right now as i cross hollywood boulevard like that was a really really cool feeling and even though it's vegas and i'm not the biggest fan of vegas i still had this like immense sense of pride enough where it pulled me from the airport to go and like stroll around vegas <laughs> at, at like midnight on a sunday where i was like oh i kind of want to see where the race is going to be this is really cool out here uh people are terrifying but it's gonna be a good a good vibe and oh wouldn't that be really really cool if like we had an announcement like andretti motorsport was cleared for entry right around that time i mean if f1 was smart that's what they would do they would i mean i think f uh, f1 is getting savvier and savvier with all these kinds of things so i wouldn't i wouldn't put it past them it's a lot better than you know Shaquille O'Neal showing up and uh, in the biggest, sort dumbest of looking show, El Dorado yeah. with a giant yeah, fake yeah, exactly. uh, uh, steers rack on it. Yeah, just ugh. yeah, ridiculous. All right. Well, uh, Johnny, do you think that the stock has gone up this week in F1 here in the US? I'm going to say level, but tension is growing, especially mm-hmm. around this uh, at the moment andretti speculation being being the thing yeah yeah i agree i think that it it is it hasn't dropped i think maybe it's gone up a little bit but again this is only because i just was on the strip last night and walked across (laughs) a potential track so i'm like i think the i think the energy's up uh it's it's probably about where it needs to be which is like yeah it's it's cooking along and i think you're right i think that there is this like little like like the the day traders are all swarming the floor right now. They're all like huddling together and people are like, "Oh, there something's up. Something's about to go down. Something's going on." So I think I think you're right. There's a a, a ton of potential, but I don't think that it's actually like showed up 
as far as like the stock. But I think that there was like, oh, this company looks like it's pretty good. Looks pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's tell the folks where they can find you online, Johnny. Uh, you can catch up with me anytime. Uh, I hang out a bit on Twitter. Yeah. Which, which just the the floor keeps on every time that I that I'm like, okay, I think the the enormous gasoline soaked fire Ooh. has started to calm down a little bit. It fires back up again. So I, I still like I like Twitter. I've I enjoyed too, Twitter. John. I it's really been do. a nice it's been a nice uh place to spend time. And more than anything, I like Twitter because I feel like the the people that I connect with on there are like good people yeah and are relevant people and it's not you know a junky place but i i do hate that it's uh continuing to become a place that's just talking about the place as opposed to you know everything else but whatever you can find me on twitter uh if uh, you can find me i guess my central my most central hub is johnnymotion.com you can go there and you can get a little bit of a sense as to what it is that i get up to during my day job um, when I'm not talking about uh, uh, wet diffusers and, and, what, and toxic masculinity uh-huh, in uh-huh. its ties to, to motorsport. Corey, where can the folks find you? Uh, I am also on Twitter at Burn Corey Burn, and then on every other social media platform as Burn Corey Burn. You can track me down that way. And then the F1 Files on Twitter as well, and the F1 Files on TikTok and on Instagram. This is a ghost town over there. I haven't posted nearly enough. I'll try. I'll try. I promise. Yeah, you can uh, You can track us down there. And also, please rate, review, subscribe, share, tweet, uh, Instagram, Facebook post. Let people know that this is happening and that they are welcome to join in the conversation. But I think that just about does it. What do you think, Johnny? I think that wraps it up. Now that you're here on the East Coast, let's see each other in real life uh, very, very, very soon. Hell yeah. Uh, All right. Well, folks, catch up with us the next time, and we will catch up with you the next time, I promise, on the F1 Files. Boo!